from the studio in Southern California with your host, Victor Rancourt. I only knew one way and I knew the right way. It's the Hero Podcast. Today, Victor welcomes Heather Bargender Wavra, CFO of Sky Heating and Air. Through my construction journey, I realized that a lot of trade businesses had great installers and great owners, but the owners didn't really have the business background to know how to take their businesses to the next level. Or Without further delay, here's your host, Victor Rancour. How are you guys doing? This is Victor Rancour. I'm the host of your Service Hero podcast. I'm glad to be back. The new baby's doing well, and I'm excited to have our, uh, our next guest for episode number four, Heather Bergen- Bergender. Is that how I say it? Bar- Bar- Bargander. Bargander. My bad, Heather. Heather is the CFO of Sky Heating and Air up in Oregon. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Victor? I'm doing great. Feels good to be back. It's, uh, you know, it was weird. I started the podcast right before the baby came. My wife was yelling at me and then, uh, and obviously the baby came and I'm like, oh shoot, two weeks without it. People are texting me and stuff. So glad to be back. I'm glad to be back to work. Uh, most of you guys know I'm a, that's all I really like to do is work. So I'm excited to be back, but I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So Heather, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your, your past or what, you, what you've done or what you're doing before you're with Sky Heating and Air and how you got into the home service, uh, home service field. Um, well, I started my career back in 1998. I was working for a general contractor that specialized in doing uh, schools and churches. So that's kind of where my love for the construction industry um, started. I really, really, really enjoyed the people that worked for the GC that I was working for. And I stayed there for a couple of years, but back in the late 90s, women still weren't really uh, welcomed with open arms into the construction industry. And so uh, I really wanted to be a project manager, but it wasn't at that point an option, uh, just just based on the way that the trades were back then. Um, So I decided to finish my my college in the accounting direction and took my first job as the controller of a design build structural steel company out of West Lynn, Oregon. I worked there for seven years and then decided to get into residential building at the worst possible time, uh, 2007, 2008. Uh, yeah, I took, took that plunge and went into residential construction and that journey lasted nine months until the market completely crashed and nobody was building new homes. Oh my God. So from there, I went to work for a long-term union, a drywall, lath, and plaster company in Beaverton, Oregon. And I worked there for three years, but then uh, realized that my kids needed a little bit more of my time and I needed a little bit more flexibility. So that's when I started Bottom Line Accounting Services, which is what really got me into um, more home service and trade-based businesses. Uh, Through my construction journey, I realized that a lot of trade businesses had great installers and great owners, but the owners didn't really have the business background to know how to take their businesses to the next level or to even run them efficiently uh, in their current state. And so bottom line accounting services offered uh, those kind of services for streamlining processes and procedures for a trade-based business or a home service-based business, while also getting um, their financials set up properly so that they could accurately report their performance. And then we worked on KPIs, processes, and procedures for that going forward. That part of my journey, I really, really loved, but my husband said that I work too much and told me to go find just one job working for one person and stop taking on every 
you know, trade partner that would ask me to come help them. And so it's kind of funny how it's come full circle. I went to work for Travis Smith. I found, you know, this job at this, back then we were a much smaller company at this um, Portland area HVAC. So I went to work for Travis and I, I didn't really plan on staying with him. I, I planned on appeasing my husband until I could go back to the company that I owned. And so I kept my company open for another year or two, but then uh, after working for Travis, I have no desire to ever leave. Um, he and I have grown to become really good friends and business partners in other ventures. And so I've been with Sky ever since, and uh, we're going strong and growing like a lot of the rest of you guys. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. You go back to when you were first getting into the trades and, and the women are having a hard time getting positions of power, I guess, and, and how much has changed since then. And that's kind of what this podcast is about. And there's a lot of powerful women in this industry that are behind these guys. You know, Travis is on his podcast and doing things all the time. But <laughs> if you ask Travis, who really runs the show, they're going to tell you it's Heather. And, and a lot of people don't bring that to light. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a big deal to be able to be in that position in, in this industry with the, you know, the mochismo everybody has, you know, the, the guys run the world and we know everything. And to be honest, I don't know shit. You know, I, I, I didn't know nothing. And Heather's been, you know, Heather stepped in to help my business too. I have a, another girl that works for me. Who's my CFO now. And Heather's been training her and it, it's a night and day to see, you know, we guys, we have this, like, we have this, like, go, 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 go mindset. But the other detailed people behind us, they're like, Hey, no, you need to slow down. Let's, let's get this stuff together. Um, what's, so for you, obviously going into sky heating and air, um, what was your position in the beginning? Did you immediately go into the CFO position or was it kind of just worked your way up to that? Um, Travis had had some issues in the past with, uh, previous people that were in the accounting position. It was a much smaller company, a couple million dollars a year. So they just had had a bookkeeper up until that point. And I knew when I applied for the position, I was completely overqualified for a bookkeeping job which is kind of still to this day, a running joke around sky heating. Um, but I came in and realized that uh, Travis's financials were a hot mess and yeah. they weren't doing anything unethical, but the way that the books were being ran was completely um, inaccurate and wrong. And so I started um, just basically, I rebuilt their books. I, you know, I reconciled all the accounts to as close as I, I could get. And then we started over with a, a clean set of books. And then from there, um, I started writing processes and procedures for, you know, a month and close and how things were going to, you know, the workflow for the office and how things were going to go for the service department. And then um, the workflow between install and, you know, completion. And at that time we were still doing new construction too. So I got um, some processes and procedures written for the new construction department. We don't do new construction now, but um, the last five years, we've been able to really ramp up and, and double the size of the company. What are you guys at down? Uh, what are you guys looking at projection for this year? I know coronavirus hit and a little threw you guys off, especially you guys are in one of the hardest hit areas. Uh, we are. We budgeted for this year, and I think we really would have hit it, 12 and a half million. That's fantastic. Uh, last year, we did a little over eight and a half million. We've been growing like crazy. We went private label uh, the end of 2019 and hit it hard, never looked back. We were very successful in trailblazing the Portland and the Northwest market with private label. We've been able to bring on some other, you know, dealers that are also doing private label at this point. 
we came into 2020 and hit it hard. We were on track to really, really hit our goals. And with the coronavirus, that was just a screeching halt, as everyone knows. It's just like the whole market retracted and everything stopped. So um, now I think we have a good chance of hitting nine to 10 million. Which is still phenomenal. It's still, it's still a pretty big growth year over year. I mean, obviously all of us, I mean, you have the same mindset. You're just, you're trying to get where you, you have goal oriented. So it's always hard to fall short of your goal, but you know, even, you know, if you, I always tell people, if you shoot your goal way up here and you come a little bit short, you still, you still did a fantastic job. Like if you set your goal really low and you blow past it, that doesn't feel as good. But if it's something like, Hey, I want, I want 12 million this year and you guys, you know, come out with 11, five, like there's no reason to be mad about that though. Yeah, yeah, even, you know, winning the day isn't always, you know, beating your goals. You know, yeah. if you can make a significant impact. And I think the biggest thing that uh, we've seen since we went private label is is a, a gross increase in our uh, gross profit margin. It's just shot through the roof, which has oh. been incredible for the team. Oh, hundred percent. And I was actually having a conversation with Travis about this because people keep asking things in the, in, you know, my Facebook group and stuff like that. And, you know, Travis yeah. had mentioned, you know, you guys are doing private label and I'm doing private label, but I was doing Linux and, and Goodman private labeling, uh, for, the, for a couple months there, because in California, we have the ultra low knocks thing. And it was a big issue. Goodman didn't make the units right. yet. And they'd have the variable speed. So I was going with Linux and Goodman. And last month I went hundred percent Goodman and I was able to the private labeling. I was able to cut, you know, cut my, I think it was like a 30% decrease in, in equipment cost, Right. And that's not including all the rebates and all the great things that you did the incentives on top of it. And it's, it makes a big difference. And I've seen zero kickback from any of our customers or anything, right? It's everyone thinks like, I got to sell Linux. I got to sell train or whatever it is. Uh, how was that taken in your, in your business when you guys first switched over? Were there a lot of people kind of pushing back on you? Cause there was a lot of people pushing back on me at first. And now they're like, okay, we understand. No, actually uh, what you were just saying is exactly what we experienced. Um, people really don't care about the brand. They care if you build value. There's always obviously a need there you know, but if you build the value, the price doesn't matter. Um, they, they, we're HVAC people. So we know, you know, train carrier, Lennox, York, whatever. Most people don't, they don't care. They want an air conditioner, a heat pump furnace that works. And, you know, when you build the value of our brand, it carries a lot of weight. And we've spent the last couple of years really, really focusing on our branding, which is yeah. incredible for our market recognition. It, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, even for me, like people don't, they, they obviously you got to build up your reviews. You got to get clients, right. And you got to, you got to do your marketing, right. But you know, you guys just logo, you guys, you know, you got that logo and you guys ran with it. And now it's probably everywhere. I know you guys do a bunch of different marketing. Uh, you got your radio jingle, which I've heard a couple of times uh, imprinted in my brain when I heard it. So that's been fun. <laughs> that's <the point. laughs> No, I, you know what? I just changed. I just got a new jingle for my, for my business and, and someone called in the radio. Oh, we missed the old one. I'm like, yeah, cause now this one's fried in your brain. <laughs> the, the other one was cute. Now this one, you're going to be singing it all day and your little daughter is going to sing it all day. And then you're going to end up buying from us. But that, that, the power of branding is a, is a major thing. I don't know where, so go back five years ago, was your marketing budget what it is now or how did, how has that changed? Like to where you guys are, are you guys marketing more than ever because you guys kind of see what it does? Um, we definitely five years ago, we're not doing the marketing that we are now. We've always tried to keep our marketing budget between five and 7% of revenue and we've diversified quite a bit. So five years ago, we were just starting to get into the major TV spots on the weather with the major news stations, Fox 12 and whatnot. Uh, we're still doing that, but besides the news, we were doing mailers, home shows. Nobody sees return from home shows. 
Yeah. Uh, Angie's List really isn't a big producer. Um, the last couple of years, we've really been successful with you know, rebranding the logo, the updated logo, uh, getting rid of the, the retro logo, even though you know that's always going to hold a special place in our hearts. That's where the company started. But we wrapped all of our vans. That was kind of a large expense for 2019. We spent. Oh, trust me. <laughs> and, um, the new things we did last year, well, we started last year and have continued this year is the radio ads and the billboards. You know what? I've never, I haven't done billboards yet, but my building is on the freeway. So I, you know, it's funny because I track people go by our business and they see it, right? And yeah. we're getting ready to move out of this. This office this was our main office. We're moving to our new building. And we're going to keep this one. You know, my accountant's like, why are we keeping this building? And I was like, uh, look, at the, look at the numbers. Run in service time. We do fifty dollars to $100,000 a month of people driving by and seeing us. So why would we move out of this business, out of the building? Uh, but I, I haven't got into billboards yet. And I see a lot of my competitors do it. I know uh, Ishmael does this. Other people like that. Billboards all over town. And I, I would, are, do you get a lot of people that call in about it or... Or what's your feeling on that? Um, I definitely think it's worth it. We get a lot of people that that call in who have seen it, but have also heard us on the radio, who have also seen us on the Weather Channel, who have you know very various different um, avenues of marketing that we have done. Uh, we're ob obviously doing Google Guaranteed, pay per click, uh, those kind of things that we've really seen a, a lot of return on it. As we've expanded uh, several locations for sky heating you know, we've been able to build up those Google reviews in each of our areas. Yeah. That's one of the things I'm working on right now. Obviously I was telling you before we jumped on that we're expanding and I'm like, okay, I got to get Google set up over there. I got to start getting our reviews over there. Cause you yeah. know, for us, for me, I do hundreds of thousand dollars a month off of Yelp, right? Cause I built up this fantastic Yelp following Southern California. Yelp is if you have a shitty Yelp, you don't got a business. Um, so for me, I built up this big Yelp here, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to these other markets. Now I'm back down to zero. So I got to kind of, kind of build that stuff up. Um, but I, I have noticed like radio, it's like, may, they might not have called you immediately off radio, right? It, it usually like the direct response is an immediate, but when the thing breaks down, if you have that jingle or you, you've built that reputation over time, people right. know who to call. And, and uh, you know, a lot of my, my CSRs, I'm like, find out where they, where they actually found us from. Cause they might've went to Google. They fill out a form on Google, but they heard us on the radio. Right. And trying to track that marketing dollars and where everything goes is, is really important. Are you guys pretty strict on that? Like as far as your CSRs? Yes, we are. Uh, our CSRs have a very regimented call script. Um, like I had said before, I'm really big on processes and procedures. I'm really big on consistency. I want to make sure that we're delivering the same thing to our customer every single time. Um, we have spent a whole ton of time fine-tuning our service Titan so that we are getting the, the, the output that we're expecting to get from the software and service Titans just been incredible game changer for our business just because it has, it's so robust and it gives us so many of the KPIs that we were calculating manually. We don't, it, it's just such a time saver. A hundred percent. You know, I was, I switched over, obviously you were helping us when we switched over to service Titan and dealing with, uh, with Vivian and stuff. And that was fantastic. Uh, thank you for doing that. But yeah, switching over to service Titan, like last year I switched over and I didn't take the time to learn it and nurture it. And I was like, Oh, this thing's a piece of shit. <laughs> you know, I didn't like it. And I was like, I can't figure it out. And then once I actually took the time to learn it and learn the system, I mean, you can see it's a drastic difference in my business. We all know, we know exactly what's going on. We know the, you know, booking rates, we know all this stuff that before we didn't really track it. You know, it wasn't, wasn't something we thought about, but now it's like every meeting we have, we're like, right, where was this number at? Where's this number at? We're able to pull it up right away. Makes a drastic difference. 
But I did notice something, Heather. The Service Titan came out with their top 10 yesterday, and I didn't see Sky Heating and Air on there. We're trying. I know. I saw <laughs> that yesterday, and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I want to see our name on there. We're, you know, we're, we're sitting at a pretty high Titan score, but some of those guys that are getting 85s and, you know, closer to the 90s, I'm like, what are you doing? Um, I'm proud of us. I, Victor, like you, um, and, and we may have talked about this when we were in San Diego uh, last January when I, when I met you. Um, we went to Service Titan in March of 2017, and it was a disaster. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think you had told me that part. Yeah, it was a disaster. We got three weeks into it, hit a brick wall, quickly retracted, went back to Desco, and hated Service Titan. And then uh, Aura kept trying to get in touch with Travis. And so we, we decided last year we were going to try again. So we went live in April of 2019. And, and it was really the same thing that you said. We didn't take the time. We tried to make our process fit into their software where really we needed to just change our workflow to yeah. work with the software. And we're getting the, the craziest amount of just very, very valuable data out of the software now. And Travis and I were just telling the CSRs who haven't been here very long and have never known anything other than Service Titan, how things used to be and how compared to how they are now. And we can't imagine ever not having Service Titan. We can yeah, never. I, well, coming from me, I, I've, I've been in business two years last week. It's been two years. I went through four CR, CRMs in two years. So, well, technically five, because I went to Service Titan back to house or to house call them back to Service Titan. And I remember the first time around with Service Titan, I put it on my GM. I said, here, handle this. And, you know, he wasn't capable. Of, that, that's not what he did. He's, he didn't understand how to work computers as well as, as someone. I, should, I just didn't have the right person to implement everything. And I was putting it off to other people. And that was part of, that was part of my downfall the first, you know, year or so in business is that I was like, yeah, just you go do it. Well, no, I'm the owner. I have to, I have to, I have to buy into it. I got to take the time. I got to learn it. Uh, and once, you know, once that happened and I accepted it and I said, okay, I'm going to dig in, we're going to get this thing figured out as a team. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been drastic. Last time it was, it was a complete nightmare. We were like, I think our Titan score was like at four. Uh, Tom Howard and Tom and his team came in. I think we were at like a four or five when they came in and we're like, this thing's a piece of crap. He's like, yeah, you're using 4% of it. And I'm like, well, make it more, you know, <laughs> make it, make me use it more. And we couldn't get it figured out. We canceled it. And this time around we hired a uh, blue collar profit. So they came in uh, and to get us implemented in the, in the beginning. And then obviously we've been adding on ever since then. And I, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. And, and we've seen a drastic difference in, you know, from our customers satisfaction thing without, you know, how they send everything out, the, uh, the text yeah. messages and all that stuff. It's been big. So There's so many things that it does. And if it's worth it for new service Titan users, anybody who's listening, take the time and set it up properly. If you set it up properly, it'll save you so much time in the end. Yeah. And it, you know, hiring someone to do it or doing it yourself, it's, it, it, it just takes time. It really, really does. And, and obviously implementing everything takes forever. Um, I didn't have our reach out to me when I canceled my mother effort, everybody in that service Titan. I was so mad <laughs> when I left. I thought I would blame it. I was blaming everybody, but myself the first time I left, Ara didn't reach out to me. So you still owe me an apology for that one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, actually, um, Travis was the same. Travis was furious. He would say nothing good about Service Titan after the first experience we had to the point that like, I think Ara was like, Travis, please stop. <laughs> well, yeah, I, why, you know, how, you know how much money it costs, right? Because we have a lot of employees and it was right. 30, it's over $30,000 I had spent and I'm getting nothing out of the thing. And I'm like, I was doing the same thing with what I think Service Fusion or whatever the heck I was using before that. I'm like, I'm getting the same results out of that. It's because I didn't know what I was doing. 
but that comes down to everything in the business. So, you know, when we switched over, we switched back to Zerber's Titan this time is when we kind of, we started fresh as a business. Uh, March, obviously coronavirus hit. I was laying off people. I kind of cleaned house and I'm like, I had to start fresh, right? And when I started fresh, I said, what do I got to do to, to get this business where it needs to be? I know how to sell stuff. I know how to recruit people. I know how to, you know, I know how to do a lot of things but I didn't have the numbers in place and the processes in place. And that's because I didn't take the time to do it. So when I started fresh, I said, what do I need to do? And I said, I need to hire smart people. I don't, I don't, they don't need to know HVAC. I'm just going to hire smart people and they're going to help. We're going to figure this shit out. Cause I know how to teach them HVAC, but I don't know how to do all the other stuff on the back end. And that's when I brought in Vivian, right? And Vivian, uh, she, she came into as my, she came into interview as my assistant. And I find out she's got a master's degree and she studied under, you know, uh, us, Nobel prize winner and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, you're here for my assistant position. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're hired. And, and obviously we brought her on and then she was never my assistant. She's now kind of her assistant. She, I tell her, she tells me what I need to do. Uh, but it, that the, to have someone in there to bring in someone that's smarter than you and, and better than you. And, and you, and, and I always tell people to find out what you suck at and hire those people to fill those roles. And I that's feel like that, and that could have been some, that sounds like what Travis did. Like Travis, like, yeah, I got this business, but he didn't, he needed someone to fill where he, where he drops off. And that, and that's where, you know, where the people that I brought in have done. Um, what else I going to say? So now I, I talked to you recently and you said that you and Travis are kind of doing this thing where you guys are kind of coaching other companies and stuff like that. What's going on? Uh, what's going on with that so far? Um, we are, we started another company at the beginning of this year. We had had several, uh, trade friends ask for help, um, ask what we were doing, how we had grown so fast. Um, it's obviously not something that we have time to do, you know, as a full fledged business, obviously we're running sky heating. We have other real estate ventures that we're growing as well, but, um, we just started coaching and kind of doing what I did for Travis when I first started here, coming in, assessing the business, figuring out where the weak spots are, addressing those, hitting them hard, and, you know, working with individuals who wanted to, you know, move forward like a powerhouse. And Travis and I tag team really well as far as coaching goes. He comes at things differently than I do, which is, I think, what makes us such a fantastic team. Um, I, you know, I've got this set of skills and he's got a separate set of skills and together, you know, we've created quite an amazing, you know, company and culture here at Sky Heating. And I think other people were seeing that. So they started reaching out through some of the podcasts he's done, some of the podcasts I've done, um, just asking if we'd help. You had reached out to me and asked, you know, if I would coach Vivian a little bit. Um, I love giving back to the trades. This industry has yeah. been my heart my whole career and um, it's my passion. And I, I love helping. Vivian's fantastic. I loved working with her when you guys were going live with Service Titan. But we offer, you know, consulting services on site, which was before the pandemic. We'll, we'll come on site for three days and really hit it hard, 12, 13 hour days, you know, getting people's books in order, their KPIs in order, making sure they have a cohesive understanding of what it takes to measure the progress and, and growth of their business and and how to do that on a daily basis not just you know once a month when you're looking backwards at financials that are in the past yeah and, and once you get those things in place and i feel like a lot of business owners are on a freaking hamster wheel all the time right and yeah. it's because they don't have processes they don't put this stuff in place so when you don't know where you stand at all times you your mind is always all over the place so you need a lot of guys especially when they first start out they're just trying to, by year two, they're like, I'm ready to sell this thing. They don't know what's going on, right? They're, they're, they want out because it, they realize this is a headache. It's so many things going on and blah, blah, blah. And, 
And if they really knew where they stood and knew how to get to where they need to go, and once you get to the spot where like, hey, a lot of these guys are running a net profit of like 7%. Like I see, I've talked to some of these guys, I'm like, how are you staying in business? And why are you staying in business? And and once they start really diving down the numbers, they, they, only, they think, I sold this system for this much, then my equipment costs this and the labor costs this. Well, where's the rest of the money come from for everything else, right? And once you start realizing that and you reverse engineer everything to where, hey, I want to make this much net profit, what do I have to do to charge to get to that? And once that's one of the things that we started breaking everything down and working backwards as a business. And once we got to that point where we're like, hey, this is where we want to be at all the time. And if the job's not here, we're not taking the job. A lot of guys just take everything, everything, everything. Is that kind of how you guys are? You guys are pretty selective on the jobs you take? We are. And we don't hesitate to fire the wrong customer. Uh, you know, not every customer is our customer. We don't want to do these, these quick repairs. We're not going to undercharge. We provide a premium service. Um, we've worked very hard to become more efficient. I can say I'm very proud of our team. We have four less employees than we did in 2015, and we're doing double the revenue. That's awesome. Uh, with less people than we had five years ago. So, you know, just putting those processes and procedures in place is, is important. And you, are, you hit the nail right on the head when you said reverse engineer your financials. You know, once you break it down, you kind of build back up to where you want to be. And we share that with our entire staff. We train five days a week. Uh, not, every, not every person receives training every single day, but each department gets training. Um, we bring all the financials up. We explain how it works. We explain why we charge what we charge. And we do the one, uh, one chuck in a truck exercise with our entire team so they see where those costs are that they don't think about. It's the same cost that we expect, uh, explain to our customer when they're like, why are you charging 360 an hour? Why are you charging $420 an hour? You know, why, why is it so expensive to replace a capacitor? The guy was here for 15 minutes. Well, we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in training to make sure that they are up on the latest and greatest. We have an in-house training room with live equipment and virtual reality. We want to make sure that we provide the best customer service possible, but that comes at a cost. And so once you can break that down and the employees are on board with it, then everybody has an understanding of it and stops wasting time on the clock. I feel like a lot of guys are scared to share their financials with their business. So like, I'm like an open book, right? I don't, I don't really, I don't really sugarcoat much. And I explain everything in the same conversation we have with our guys. And when you get that whole culture where everybody, they believe you're the best, you're, you're the premium service. You got like, that's, that's how my guys walk. My techs are like that. My sales guys, my installers, everybody has this like puffed out chest because that's what I bring every day. I, I, you have to instill that in your whole business and make them understand that you're not going to be that guy. I will never be that cheap guy. And let me explain to you X, Y, and Z, why we want to be like that. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Once you, once you get the whole business to buy in, you'll see drastic growth, like drastic growth. Cause my guys, they, they get mad when someone tries to show them an $8,000 bid and we're at 60. They're like, are you kidding me? Like that, do you, does it look, did that guy come in here looking like this? Is his truck wrapped? Did he have uniforms on? Did he have an iPad? Did he do a presentation? Uh, does he have a full-time warranty text? Does he have like, come on, like, do you really think I could do it for that price? And then the customer, you have to, but when you, a lot of guys that get scared when someone's like, this guy's at eight grand, they're like, oh, I'll do it for eight grand. No, we, we don't operate like that. And, and sir, my goal is to be in business in five years. I want to have, I want to be able to be, take care of you next time you need an air conditioner in 15 years, but I will not be able to, if I do it at that price. And this is why. Exactly. Yes. That's, and we, we don't take those jobs either. We don't ever discount our price. Um, our price is our price. We'll build the value. We provide six options, just like Uncle Joe says, you know, you give, you give the six options. And, you know, the, the customer's either a perfect fit for us or they're not, and that's okay. 
And we have seen the exponential growth because we've got 100% buy-in. Uh, the culture now at Sky Heating is not what it was five years ago. It's, it's so far better. We have buy-in from everyone. We provide opportunities to every single employee. So the opportunities to make spiffs and to make extra commission and to grow with the company, obviously we're growing at a rapid rate. We hire from within. Those employees that wanna shine and really wanna be you know, an integral growing part of the team, they rise to the top very quickly. And I love that about our company where we, ha we have the ability to give those opportunities to the people that come to work and work hard for us every day. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, that's why people want to go work at a business, right? You know, when they, when you walk into a business and you feel like, okay, I'm going to come in and this is going to be my job and I'm stuck there. No one really wants to be a part of that. And this is actually a conversation I have with my guys. And I say, Hey, look at, you see where we were last year. You saw, so this is two years in year one, you saw where we're at year two. Guess what happens? We're going to keep growing like this and guess who's going to move up. Is it going to be the new guy or is it going to be you? So as long as we keep pushing, keep doing what we do, you're going to have a better position. Like I've had, you know, you know, uh, apprentices that are now lead installers making, you know, way more money than they've ever made. I got, you know, guys that were installers or managers. I got techs that are managers. Everybody in the business has moved up and made more money. And once that, when people come into a culture like that, it, it, it just makes you want to come to work every day, right? Everybody, everybody wants to be here. Everybody wants to grow. They get excited. I never thought I would grow this fast in two years, but it's been, you know, everyone's like, what the hell? Like, this isn't the same business. Like the guys that have been with me since the beginning, like this isn't even the same anything. Right. And they, even from six months ago when the coronavirus stuff hit, I had obviously my whole business was, was all over the place. So all of a sudden we started, we started fresh. I said, hey, this is how we're going to do business. I have to change my mindset. I'm going to take control of this and I'm going to do it the right way. And once I started taking my, my mind there and getting where I needed to be, I became just more, instead of being authoritarian, I became their friend and the mentor and we all are trying to grow together. And I, and I had to step back for me. I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm very, I know everything. And that's how I was. And I'm not like that anymore. Like I, I, all of us are together trying to figure out how we can get to the next level and I think yeah, what you guys have going at Sky is phenomenal. I see it from the outside and I saw it from the outside before I'm at now, right? So last year I started getting, getting into the Facebook groups like probably uh, April, May, July last year, whatever, June, July last year. And when I jumped in the groups, you know, Sky was the one that stood out. I always saw Travis posting and I'm like, what are they doing over there? And I want to be like that. And I saw your truck wraps. I'm like, I got to get a truck wrap. I got to, you know, I got to go private label. I saw the little picture where he has like the Photoshop Sky logos on the Goodman equipment. I'm like, now I got to go to the factory and I got to do this. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, people watch me from afar, but there's a lot of people that watch you guys from afar and they want to, they want to emulate what you guys do. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on here. And so people don't understand, like they, everyone just thinks like they're, oh, they're just doing the same thing as me. No, they, they put these processes in place. They do everything the right way. And when you do that over time, you're going to grow, you know, very quickly. I, the biggest thing is, is the consistency of it. People can put in a bunch of effort, you know, oh, I worked really hard this month. It's not a, I worked really hard this month kind of thing. It's a consistent, I work really hard every day. My mind is in it every day. We, we train our employees that way. Um, we have a gal that we brought in. She started in February of this year as a CSR. Um, obviously coronavirus hit in March. We laid off 75% of our staff, which was devastating. Um, both emotionally and, you know, fiscally, but uh, she had the highest calling or call booking percentage. She consistently had the highest call booking percentage and she was new. So we had to keep somebody to answer the phone while, you know, after the governor shut the state down. And we just had a skeleton crew working pretty much the entire month of March. And 
she, we were the one, she was the one that we called back and she took on that responsibility of booking those calls. She kept our call center going in the midst of this pandemic when it first started and nobody knew what to do. And she's now a, a supervisor that quickly as, as we're and she's leading our call center. That's freaking awesome. I was answering my phone during that time. So that was a little weird. <laughs> so I, I, I said, we're like, oh my gosh, Sunday night came. We're, we're like, uh, we don't have anybody to answer the phone. And it's been years since he and I've answered the phone. Oh, it, so, it was, it, it was weird. <laughs> I was like, well, uh, I think uh, we need to call somebody back. And it was an easy choice. You know, we, yeah. we call back. She's fantastic. She's just grown exponentially with the company the last six months. Uh, like you, we had our best month ever in July. And before that, the best month ever was June. Uh, we hit it hard. Once people started buying again, we, we hit it really hard. And we're constantly watching our pacing report to make sure we're going to hit our goals. Yeah. And you got to, so the big thing with goals, like, uh, you know, when I said, we set out our daily sales tracker, we have all our stuff and I always have our goals and what, what our goal is, how much we have left, how much we got to hit per day. I have right. that stuff in front of my guys all the time. Obviously we stack rank everybody. So we, obviously, that, I think that's a huge thing coming from a sales background. When I was stack ranked, you know where I wanted to be and it definitely wasn't on the bottom. Okay. And if you don't have guys in that, you also quickly find out if those are, you have the right guys in the business and they start complaining about the stack rankings and they, you could, they, Oh, that guy's getting the best calls. You could tell like, that's not, you don't belong here, man. Like you should be fighting. Who cares what they're doing? Just do what you're doing. And I, it's been one of the things like tracking the numbers like that has been allowed me to kind of weed out the guys that didn't belong where before I didn't really know, you know, I, I know they're a nice guy and they're doing their stuff. But when you start getting a competitive atmosphere and people like that, and you feel like, okay, that guy's just not going to make it. And the numbers are where you, where you find that out before it was like, I think he's doing good. I don't know. Customers like him, but they like him because he hasn't brought us any freaking money. Well, you know, our sales team is really strong. I'm really proud of them. They actually motivate each other. If, if one of them has a light day, they ride together so that they can learn off of each other. And our, we work in pods. So our, our service techs are, are paired up with a system designer and the service techs get competitive too. And they know if we get close, they get really competitive near the end of the month. I mean, July, I was sitting the last day of July with my service manager. We were watching the numbers, waiting for them to complete their calls because we were so close to hitting another goal. And, and Travis wasn't here, but there was squeals out of the back office when we, we had that, that final close and we were like, yes, we won. We did it. You know, we, we made that goal that the guys were just like, I don't know if we're going to make it. And we're like, Nope, we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to do oh, it. I, I've been the guy with that all, with all that weight on my shoulder. They're like, Hey, this is the last call of the month, bro. You got to get us eight grand on this call or whatever it is. I, I remember that feeling. And when you, so keep in mind, a lot of the guys that are listening to this and have businesses never came from that background. They came from working at a small business and they started the, you know, a little mom and pop shop and they started their own. Uh, so I got blessed because I got to come from a culture where it was like, all we talked about is sales. That's all we worried about. Where are our numbers at? Like we are freaking dogs in that room. And that, that place is, I don't know any other place in the country that's got better sales guys in that, than that room. And I had to fight and claw to get into that room. And once I got in there, I had to make sure they knew I was there. And I, I still remember that culture and everybody was like, it was dog eat dog, man. We all wanted to beat each other. We all wanted to one up each other. I mean, we were talking shit in the group chat and like, that's just how we were. And then I come here now and, and I have some great sales guys, but they're like my silent killers. I call them like they, they don't have that. Like, I'm like, what? You're not going to tell him you're going to kick his ass. Like that's not, that's how I am. They're like, Oh, good job, bro. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? 
<laughs> I, I don't know. That's just, I, I always like, for me, I always like to put someone ahead of me. So I had like, okay, I got to go get that guy. And that guy's my enemy until I beat him. And then whatever that I find out something else to chase, but that's just my mindset. I always want something to chase all day. These guys are like, they, they generally love like, Oh, good job, bro. Great job yesterday, man. I, I wish I would have sold. And I'm like, Oh dude, this, I'm like, no, I'm gonna come kick your ass today. I'm sorry. I lost yesterday. <laughs> but, but anyway, so, so yeah, I think, I think once people get in the mindset of, figuring out their numbers, right? Number one thing is figure out your numbers in your business. If you don't have your numbers right, you might as well just stop, shut everything down today and take two days, three days, take a week to figure out what the hell your goals are, right? I, I don't know. I, I feel like if you keep going without stopping and just resetting yourself, you're never going to get where you need to be. Like for us, we, we happen to happen to be a slower time of the year where we're able to reset and figure it out. So maybe in the off season, like figure out where your business is, first off, and then figure out where you guys want to go and then set the goals and figure out what your culture is going to be about. I think group huddles for, for, uh, for your office staff, for your business are massive. Uh, we do daily meetings. We do a, a 10 minute meeting every day. And then we have our big, then we do our big meeting once a week. And once you get in the room, everybody sets their goals and then everybody goes out to their departments and then decides, Hey, look at this, where we need to be. And then everybody fills that little void in that department. And once you get to that level, I think that the, the growth is, is there's no limit to it at that point. You can, you can grow as big as you want as obviously as how much marketing you want to do things like that. Uh, but you have to have that stuff in place before you try to go forward. Everyone's like, I want to get to this number, but I have nothing. I don't have X, Y, and Z set up. So I'm like, you're never going to get there no matter what you could say, whatever fucking number you want, it's never going to happen. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. And we do the same thing. You know, we, we do the daily huddle. That's awesome. Cause it, it's like that one opportunity in the morning to get your team really pumped up. But without proper financials, and a lot of companies don't realize it, they think that the financials are, are an afterthought, you know, they'll get closed out at the end of the month, this, that, and the other thing. That's where it all starts. Like yeah. you said, without, without things being properly accounted for, you don't know if your gross profit margin is accurate or not. I mean, I talked to an HVAC owner this week who was asking for some help with some service Titan workarounds. And he was telling me that all of his consumer financing fees are, are below the line. And I'm like, that's, that's throwing your numbers off. You gotta, you gotta get that back up in cost of goods sold. And he's like, Oh, I know, but well, it's really important. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not like a tomorrow thing. Like that has to be done. That's how you price yourself. You price yourself based on what gross profit margin you want to be at and what's your break even how, what's it going to take to get there. Yeah. And I, I actually, you know, I'm in the process right now of acquiring businesses and stuff, and I'm starting to see like the good, bad, and the ugly about these businesses. And a lot of these owners have no fucking idea what's going on. I had a guy in my business today and he's like, he's asking me for X, Y, and Z. This is how much I want to make. I'm like, dude, your, your, your net profit for the year is negative $2,000. Last year you made $50,000. Like where, what would you like me to pay you for that? Because I feel like I can go do marketing in your territory and take over and do better than that. And he thought he's doing well, right? He's, I'm making a little bit of money. But when you really look at the books, I'm like, dude, you might as well not even be in business. Like, what, what are we having this conversation for, right? I mean, so. Yeah, I totally agree. And the businesses that Travis and I have, have purchased and the real estate that Travis and I have purchased, we always ask for financials. And I have yet to get a set of financials that looks reasonably accurate. I can't say mine are probably as good as yours. I, like I said, I obviously we're, we're still learning, man. My business is two years old and we, a lot of my people that came in, they came from outside the industry. So we're working around. That's why we have, we're working with you to try to figure out 
what we should pay attention to. I know that we always, obviously our, our profit and loss statement, we have all that stuff down, but like all the little details, what we should be looking for are the things that I don't know because I didn't come from a business side. I came from selling and as a technician. So I have to learn this, the stuff that that's important that I need to be watching for. And like we had that conversation on the phone the other day about uh, uh, maintenance agreements and how, you know, we can't count for the money today. We have to see it, set it aside, stuff like that. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Are the maintenance agreements? I think a lot of people are confused and they count it as, as money made today when it's really future money, right? It, correct. It's deferred revenue. Uh, maintenance agreements and memberships is probably the hardest little finite detailed piece of service Titan because it can be set up so many different ways. Uh, for our monthly memberships, that's that's almost like a gym membership. We recognize that revenue immediately. The customer gets billed every month. They get a membership to have a maintenance on their furnace and their air conditioner or their heat pump and air handler once a year. That's pretty straightforward, pretty easy. The deferred is where it gets difficult. And uh, what I recommend is setting up a separate bank account so that you can transfer the deferred revenue funds into a separate bank account. So when you're looking at your operating account, you're not you're not overstated, um, so to speak. So with the deferred revenue, it's let's say, Victor, I'm gonna sell you a prepaid maintenance and I'm not gonna do it until next August. And I'm gonna charge you say 200 bucks for that prepaid maintenance. Yeah. Well, I haven't yet earned that revenue. I owe you a service as a, as a business. And so that revenue isn't actually money that you've earned yet. So it yeah. actually goes into a liability account called deferred revenue which basically means you've collected $200 for it. So you're, you have $200 extra in cash, but you've not yet earned that money. So it has to be sitting in a liability account. Cause let's say Victor, you just decide, nah, I, I really don't want that. Can I get a refund on that prepaid membership? I have to pay that back to you. I haven't technically earned that money. So when I do come out, if you don't cancel your membership, I come out a year later. And at that time where I actually provide the service that is generating you know, the income and the revenue, then that money gets moved over from deferred revenue into earned revenue. Nice. And a lot of, a lot of guys, that's all they do is the prepaid memberships. And I, I try to like, my guys don't get any credit if it's prepaid. If you sell it one or two years, that doesn't count towards your numbers. It's, that's actually as if you never happened. I'll allow them to do it if they, if the customer, that's all they want to do. But that's like one off now. We're so, we're so in tune to only selling the monthly memberships. And, and I think a lot of people are so, I don't know, understand, I don't understand the logic of it. A lot of people are so scared to do the monthly memberships. Like, oh, I just need the money now. You know, and I don't, maybe that's because they're, so, they're smaller businesses and that money really, they're, they're spending that money right now or they really need it. Uh, but for me, I, I, everything I do is try to do monthly. We do as well. We, we used to offer the prepaid memberships and it, it can be an absolute nightmare to manage. And, and even for someone with my expertise, it's a, it's a headache. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I would absolutely recommend going to just monthlies. That's what we do. We don't even sell the prepaids anymore. If the customer wants that, we just, we don't offer it. There's no benefit from it. The monthlies have worked out better for us because we're basically letting the customer know, you know, with this 15, 27, 50, whichever plan that they fall into with this monthly membership, you get 10% off of any repairs. You get your, your maintenances they're due to keep your warranty in place. Um, we don't give 10% off of a diagnostic fee and we don't give 10% off of a maintenance, like the price if they purchased another yeah. maintenance, but off of any repairs, we'll give 10% off. And it's an incentive to get that customer to become a member, to start mm -hmm. generating that recurring revenue. And, and it, it's also easier on the accounting side because you're not dealing with the deferred revenue, which can get out of control really quickly, especially if you don't have a very savvy accounting person in place who understands how that works. 
Yeah. One of the first things that, you know, obviously most people that are coming to acquire a business, the first thing they ask is how many, how many memberships you have monthly recurring memberships. Now they don't ask you how many club members, like uh, prepaid ones, how many monthly recurring revenue, how much monthly recurring revenue do you have? And a lot of guys, they, they underestimate it. They only think about now, right? But what if you five years from now, 10 years from now, you want to sell that business? Don't you want to make it worth as much as possible? Like, isn't that the point of being in business is to make as much money as you as possible. And when you do have to get out is to sell it for as much as possible. Right. So sometimes you got to sacrifice today to, to make money tomorrow. And I know that some guys are just chasing their tail and they need the money really bad. But if you really look at it, a long-term investment, like, every business should look at, be looked at as a long-term investment. It's not the short term. You put your work in, you do your time. And eventually, whenever you decide you're done, you get paid for all that time you put in. And a lot of guys just fail to, to think about that. They only think about the now. And then that's part of the podcast. And a lot of times I've talked about it um, from you know, a couple of my other people I had on, just put the money in the bank. Think about it. Think about the future. Start planning ahead and know, know your end game or whatever it is. Cause some guys don't want to be doing this for a long time. I know a lot of young guys nowadays, they want to get in, make their money and get out. And, and that's just kind of the, the, the mindset and the culture and how it's changed back in the day. It was like, Hey, we go to, we build this business for 20, 30 years and then we sell it or whatever. Now it's like, you talk to these guys and they're like, Oh, private equity is going to buy me in two years and all this stuff. And they, all they think about is a dollar sign and try to get the hell out right away. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, not true for sky heating. Uh, Travis and I are both, like you said, you work all the time. Travis and I both work all the time, which is kind of funny because my husband wanted me to come work for Travis so that I wouldn't work all the time. And now I work all the time. Um, but we have too much fun with it. I, I love the people that we've met um, in the last couple of years, how we've been able to grow our network of people in the industry and gain friendships and knowledge from what's working for other people. I mean, it's just been fantastic. We have no intention of retiring anytime soon. And, and I'm the same way. And, and, and I, and I talk to people all the time that think I'm selling and I'm like, no, 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 I, I, I enjoy it. I well now it, it's, it's more fun now that I know what the hell's going on. Right. I have so much more freedom and I have a, I have a staff in place that if I'm not here, like I was off for the last two weeks with my newborn and I didn't have to worry about it. My business ran fine without me but I enjoy being here every, every other day I was sneaking into the office, trying to figure out what's going on. You know what I mean? They're like, get the hell out of here. I'm like, I don't know how this is what, this is my home. This is like, this is my second, my, my second home, my second family. And obviously I have stepped more into my role with, uh, with service here on marketing. And, and I, a lot of my focus is there and we're, we're trying to grow that. And even like Garrett's is stepping away from his HVAC business. Um, he just stepped, started stepping away about a week ago and started focusing hundred percent on marketing and his brothers, his brother's running it for him. And, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of my time on that because there's, you know, with that, I'm able to help a lot of people. And that's one of my passions has always been to help people. And ever since I've been in this industry, everybody below me, I've trained them. And that's why a lot of people want to come work for me because I'm willing to put the time in and invest in them. And one of the guys that, you know, he owns a pretty big business and he told me, he's like, he's like, if you're just doing this for the short term, don't do this because these people, these people want a career. They want to be here for a long time. They want to mentor and everything that I do, I invest so much back into my guys and training and buying them tools and whatever they need. I had, a, I had one of my employees the other day, his dad had a heart attack and he had to take off that, that day. And you know, he's like, I, he could barely afford the plane ticket. You buy that guy the plane ticket, invest in your people and take your time and build that relationship. And those people are going to pay you back so much in the future. I've, I mean, I, I don't know how many countless people I've helped in my business and I don't really talk to anybody about it. It's just, it just is what it is. And when you have the passion like you and Travis have and you take care of the people, it's, it's crazy what can happen for you. 
you're you're a hundred percent correct on that, and and we love it too. We love our employees. Uh, it was very hard. We had to lay everybody off. Uh, they were all very happy to come back. Uh, we brought them back a month later, and it's we've just been rocking and rolling ever since. They know how much we care about them. They know how much we would do for them. I mean, they're the biggest assets we have as a company. Oh, hundred percent. And I, when I laid, I laid the people off for me and it was, so for me, it was, I didn't get to hire all my people back because I had the sharks swimming in the waters, you know, the big, big, big money guys here in SoCal. Like there's, there's so many companies, they were, they were circling me. Like I was a freaking, like I was a, a dead animal in the ocean, man. They, all the sharks were circling. They were trying to pick off my guys. And I was able to keep the guys, you know, a lot of the guys trusted me. I was like, just trust me. We're going to, once this thing's over, we're going to, we're going to keep pushing forward. We're going to keep pushing forward. I'm like, I'm a new business. It's not easy for me to take a hit like this. Since I invest so much money back into it, I was spending so much money on, you know, paying their, making sure they're making their payroll. Cause I was trying to keep that whole team so I can get into summer this year and take off. And, and a lot of guys, they, they saw me. I mean, I was in tears, you know, and it was really sad seeing some of the people go that had been with me for a long time. And knowing that I wasn't going to be able to get them back and, and that really sucked, but there's the guys that have stuck with me, like the guys that stuck beside me now, like, you know, I have a couple of them, you know, they're, they moved into better positions. They've done things. And I said, you know what, you guys trusted me during that time. And you trusted me with your family's livelihood and you pay that stuff back. And it, it really sucks. But it's like I said, at the end of the day, you got to, I got to kind of figure out who really is on my side, who wants to be on my team. And even, yeah, it sucked. I, I, I still, I get a little emotional talking about it. Cause it's like, I, I don't like to lose much and I don't like to talk about losing. And, and it's, it was a reality. I, I got to, I got my own piece of humble pie when that, when all that stuff happened. Yeah. I think that was really tough for, for everyone. I, I know I shed a lot of tears the month of March. I know the team that we were able to keep the little skeleton crew, we, we became really close and it still chokes me up too, to talk about it and the, the losses that we suffered uh, during that time. But, you know, we're coming back as best we can. We're still in a pandemic. Yeah, it's, we're still here. And I, and I think a lot of, we're not all the way through it. I think that the summer's held us up, you know, it's, it's been a crutch. But I think a lot of guys, they need to really, really start planning. And this is going to be the most pivotal offseason in almost everybody's business, right? How we attack yeah. this offseason, how we go about it, you know, how we do our marketing. It's going to have to be different. Every, you know, how we go about preparing to go to calls or the masks and the gloves. And there's going to be a lot more stuff because I think this thing's going to come back full force. And then, yeah. what? you know, we don't have that heat demand. And, you know, people are willing to put more clothes on, but they can only take so many clothes off, right? So <laughs> once, once wintertime gets here, they'll bundle up rather than be scared to have someone come in their house that might have a virus. So you have to really think about that and make sure you got your money and your financials in place where you don't have to lay anybody off. And, and I, I suggest going right now, whatever you got to do, make sure you got the cash flow to get through this weird ass off season we're about to have. I, I suggest you do it now. I completely agree. Yeah. Make sure, companies really need to be making, making sure that they're set up to handle what comes next. And we don't know what comes next. It's, it's crazy. We, maybe, maybe the whole United States is going to freeze over. That could happen. That could happen. That would suck. I got some murder hornets, or you know, <laughs> it could be, it could be anything. Well, anyways, Heather, it's it's been great having you on, and, and like I said, I I want to spotlight this month on, on a bunch of powerful women in our industry. And Heather, you're one of to me, you're like a shining star, and it's it's fantastic to to talk to you and interact with you. Uh, you and Travis have both been great, and uh, thanks for thanks so much for having our, for for coming on my uh, podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Victor, and have Vivian get in touch with me if you guys need any more assistance. We got to get you out here soon. I'm back from the baby leave. I was telling Travis I got to get you out, so hopefully you guys can get out. I got my new facility opening up next week, so maybe when it gets all said and done, maybe I can get you guys out and kind of come out and give us a little bit of coaching. I'd, I'd love to learn a little bit more. Oh, I would love to learn from you too. That would be awesome. Maybe September. Hey, I'm in. Thanks for tuning into the Hero Podcast.